Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study here at Celebration Church. Glad to see all of you here, as well as those who join us at our campuses, Appleton, Stevens Point, and the tons of people who watch us all over the world on the internet. I always get a kick out of that. We are studying Ephesians, the letter of, of um, the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians. We've been following through the New Testament in the order that it was written for some bizarre reason the Bible is not in order. I don't know why. I think it's rather odd. But I wasn't there, <laughs> despite my advanced age. <clears throat> uh, it's actually worse in the Old Testament. <laughs> There's stuff here that's just so out of order. You read the Bible and the order is written, and you don't really understand when you're, you will be totally and completely confused. New Testament is not quite as critical. But anyway, what we're doing is reading it in the order that it was written. We are now... We've gone through all of Paul's missionary journeys. He eventually comes to Jerusalem, gets arrested, and they drag him all the way back to Rome. Quite an incredible account that we read in the book of Acts. And now he's in Rome here under house arrest, uh, depending on the uh, theologian and historians that you talk to. Some believe that that was the point where a couple of years into this, he's tried and executed. Uh, some have a theory that he was released for a while and then came back. And there's no, we don't have any writings to show that one way or the other, but it doesn't really matter. Bottom line, he ends up in Rome. And when he's in Rome and in prison, he writes uh, several letters to the different churches that he was part of. He was in Ephesus a couple of times and spent a considerable amount of time in Ephesus. And uh, from here, now he's from Rome, he's now writing back to the Ephesian church. Uh, I like these letters. They're my favorite. Everybody's got their thing, right? I just like when he gets here and he starts writing. Those, for me, are the easiest books to understand. Those are the best, we say books, they're letters uh, to understand. Uh, they're laid out very simply, uh, very basically. He doesn't get into a lot of argument and debate about Old Testament theology and stuff like that. Um, and tends to write in two ways, two emphasis. Uh, and usually... You'll see that in each letter, a part of the letter, usually the first part of the letter, he'll lean heavily on theology and helping us to understand why things are the way they are and all the theology and stuff behind it. And then the second part goes into uh, you know, practical Christian living. Uh, Ephesians is actually split right down the middle. I mean, literally the first three chapters are about Christian theology. The last three are about practical Christian living. And there's people who love the theology part. There's teachers and stuff, man, that, that's their thing. They just love to crawl into that thing and they can spend months on two verses, you know, unlocking all this stuff. It gives me a headache. I mean, it's great to see it and, and understand basically, but my favorite part is also always the practical Christian living. Because for me, that's the point of the theology in the first place. If the way you think about God doesn't change the way you live, then your theology isn't worth jack squat. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as you're living the way you're supposed to live and your theology isn't very good, who cares? All right? Because at the end, when we stand and all of us will stand before uh, God at the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for our lives, um, our theology is not going to be part of it. What's going to be... Uh, decided or looked at is our practical Christian living. How did we live this stuff out? That's really 
what it's all about. So chapters one, two, three, theology, chapters four, five, and six, practical Christian living right down the middle in the book of Ephesians. So we're uh, halfway through the first chapter or the fourth chapter in Ephesians. Uh, and we pick it up at verse 25. Again, practical Christian living. Therefore, he writes, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. We need to be real with people, all right? Uh, one of the, uh, our phrase here at Celebration as Church is, is, is to be real. We need to be real. Don't, don't do, get into phony Christianity. Christians tend to be some of the biggest BSers on the face of the earth. I'd say bullshitters, but some of you get mad at me, so I won't say it. <laughs> but just, just, you know, I should just say it. I'm going to say it. Bullshitters. That's what they are. They're bullshitters. And here's the thing. That you understand. Everybody understands that. But in Christianity, we can't say those words. We have to use words like, put off falsehood. <laughs> Who talks like that? Nobody talks like that. I can be able to put off falsehood and not a one of you heard a thing. If I say, don't be a bullshitter, oh, I, I hear him now. <laughs> now we're talking, right? BSing people, getting people to think one thing when we're really about something else, covering how we're, the struggles we're going through because we want to put on the plastic face. You know how many people in churches will get divorced this week and the church will be shocked because people will say, I didn't even know they were having a problem. Why? Because we're bullshitters. And we come in and we talk to people and we pretend to be something that we're, don't worry, the kids aren't here. I know we don't talk that way around children. We should never talk that way. Really? There's all kinds of adult things that I don't share with my children. All right? I believe in having sex. Not when the children are in the room. I'm telling you. <laughs> if you're in the foyer, I'm going to throw you out of church as well. So, I mean, just different standards. All right. No, no children but just BSing people, let's making people think we're this and that and we're in these plastic faces. Stop, don't do that. If your life sucks, just say, my life sucks. I'm having a hard time. It's okay not to be okay. Did you hear me? It's okay. I run into people, they feel so bad because they feel bad. And they know they shouldn't feel bad, which makes them feel worse. Now they feel worse because now they feel bad because they weren't feeling bad. Now they feel bad because they were feeling bad. Now they really feel bad. And they spiral out of control. Stop. It's okay. We all go through stuff. That's just awful. Sometimes we handle it incomprehensibly well. And other times, not so much. And Paul actually gives us both pictures. He says we should all bear our own burdens. That's when you're doing well. And then he says, but we should also bear the burdens of others. That's when you're not doing so well. When you're doing well, you'll find not only can you handle your stuff, you have the time and the energy and the insight to reach out and help people around you. But you can't do that if we're all playing this game where we're hiding and pretending to be something that we're not. It's okay if you're struggling. It's okay if you're having a hard time. People sometimes say, Pastor, I'm just mad. Okay, be mad. Pastor, I'm not sad. Cry. I'll cry with you for a while. Then I want to move on to something else. <laughs> not a big cryer, but sometimes I cry. Sometimes life is really hard. Sometimes you're strong and healthy and you can pray for everybody. Other times you can't pray at all. And you need other people to pray for you. you say, Pastor, does that ever happen to you? Yes. Yes, there's days where I... I know I should pray, I can't get nothing out. 
So my words go, bleh. But I suddenly feel lifted up. Do you know why? Because God's putting on the heart of some of you to pray for me. It's a good system that we have. But if I never let you know I was struggling, you wouldn't pray especially for me. Why? Because I'd be playing this game. A lot of pastors play this game. And then they end up all depressed and burn out. A lot of pastors, that's a big problem in the ministry, burnout. <laughs> I ain't burning out, man. <laughs> I try not to shine that brightly. <laughs> yeah, burn out. I was trying to be something that they're not. And they're playing this game and they're covering everything. I keep up appearances. You know, oh, everything's great, everything's great. I'm the pastor, I can't let anybody know I'm struggling. Oh, and then they finally collapse under the weight of their nonsense. No, 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 we don't play that game here. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Bible talk. It's not Bible talk. It's what it is. It's, it's translators. Translators try to use words that are so non-offensive to anyone. Right? That's the game that they play. Why should you be truthful to each other? Because we're all members of one body, he says. One part of the body can't help the other part of the body if there's not a connection. I rarely go around holding my toe. It's fairly rare. I don't think you know. I'm going to stop for a minute and hang on to my toe. I don't even think of those terms. But if I stub my foot, oh, I hold on to the toe. We become very attached suddenly. Why? Because we're connected and it's going, ah, and I'm trying to calm it down. Say, why? How come nobody's calming up? You're not very connected. Look, you got to do it intentionally. And sometimes, you know, I can encourage people to reach out to you as much as you can, but some of y'all need to reach out yourselves. Say, Pastor, I don't have any friends. Well, that's kind of your fault. It is. Now, sometimes you go to church where they're just not friendly people. I promise you that's not the case here. But if you never talk to anybody, you never approach anybody, you never spend time with anybody, you never call anybody, you never text anybody, then when your life really sucks, guess who you're going to be around with? Nobody. Because you've got to be intentional about it. You connect to each other. You want the connections. So that if you're the hurting toe, somebody will come and hold on to you. Good preaching, Pastor Mark. Hallelujah. Please calm down. A, I, I can only stand so much response. All right. That's why we do it. So that we can be, because we're members of one body. We need to be there for each other. You can't be there for each other if we don't know what's going on. And if you're going around BSing everybody. All right. Next encouragement. In your anger, do not sin. Ah, is it wrong to get angry? No. You can get angry. People say, Pastor, I'm so angry. I go, okay. It's fine. What's not fine is sinning when you get angry. Punching someone in the face. Not a good plan. All right? Using God's name and cursing out of control. Not a good plan. Sometimes people get angry, so what? I had a lady once in the foyer somewhere, and she says, Pat, I, I have to talk to you. I just have to talk to you. Okay, so we sit down and say, what's the problem? She says, I yell at my children. I say, do they need to be yelled at? <laughs> yes! Then yell at it. What do I care? You know? <laughs> Are you abusive? Sometimes, well, don't do that, all right? But you can get angry, it's fine. I know there's people, some of you are very peace-motivated people. That's fine, thank God there's somebody around here who's got peace motivation. 
But just running away from anger and emotion is not a good solution. It's impossible to get close to anybody without conflict. And in conflict, you will find yourself getting angry. It's one of the signs that you know you're in conflict. <laughs> Your temperatures are so rise. I think there's conflict here. Yeah, you're getting angry because of conflict, which is fine. But don't get mean. Don't get nasty and destructive and stuff like that. All right? It's fine. You can get mad. If you never get mad, there's something wrong with you. I think. Or you're on morphine or something. I don't know. Or, although some, you know, you know how one way you can never get mad? Don't talk to anybody. And don't watch TV. Don't watch the news. All right? Hide in a bubble. You can be the bubble boy. Bubble, 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 bubble. In a little bubble. And, just, and there's people like that. The reason they don't want to make friends and want to connect to anybody, despite what the Bible says, is that people, you know, I don't want to get upset. Well, really? It's okay to get upset. You're not going to die. That's not you just get unglued. Oh, I'm so upset. Oh, it's fine. The Bible doesn't say you can't get mad. It just says don't sin. Next word of encouragement. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. We often give this verse of encouragement to married couples. <laughs> don't go to bed angry. The Bible says don't let the sun go down while you're angry. That's why I like to get mad after the sun has gone down. <laughs> now, I got 24 hours to be ticked off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she can go to bed angry. I thought the Bible says, says the sun. It's already down. Leave me alone. <laughs> I got 24 hours to get over this. You know, sometimes people get mad. It's fine. It's what you do with the mad. So the idea is uh, don't, don't, Hang on to stuff. You know, if you're going to blow your top, blow it <laughs> as calmly as you can. <laughs> Try not to hurt anybody. Get over it. But get over it. Some of y'all need to get over stuff. You get mad and you hang on to stuff. When you hang on to stuff, it just keeps building and building and building and building until you go cycle crazy. Don't do that. Keep short accounts with people. You should really live in such a way you can't remember the last time somebody hurt you. That's right. Yeah, you know, you got to let stuff go. Don't. Man, some people keep lists. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm rather impressed sometimes <laughs> at the ability of some people that keep tabs of every single transgression and when it happened and what time it would happen. Oh, yeah, I just, I couldn't handle it. I, some of y'all are going to die really young is all I know. Don't let the sun go down. Don't. Hang on to stuff. And do not give the devil a foothold. Uh, and that can apply to lots of things. I mean, sometimes the littlest things that you do, you don't think much about it, but oftentimes you're just giving Satan a foothold into your life. Of course, this is in the context of the anger. That's what you do. Where do you think bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment and hate all come from? It starts with getting mad. If you hang on to it, you're giving the devil a foothold in your life so you can end up bitter, angry, unforgiving, and all that other kind of nasty stuff, nasty stuff that will poison your life. Uh, and it may take a while. The thing with uh, anger and bitterness, it's a slow poison. You know? If you, it's like the old analogy. If you throw a frog into boiling water, he'll hop out. 
But if you sit there and slowly cook them, he won't move <laughs> till you boil him to death. Uh, you know, that's anger. It's a, it's a slow boil. Keeps kind of eating at you, eating at you, eating at business, unforgiveness, ah, until you're just absolutely poisoned. Man, don't do that. And then he says this, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. In other words, stop it! Now, I often get criticized by people, from people, when I tell people, stop it! Pastor, I yell at my kids and curse. Stop it! Pastor, I'm looking forward to marriage. Stop it! Pastor, I'm doing this universe. Stop! But you know what I get back? I can't help it. I can't help it. I'm addicted. And something else is controlling me. Really? I guarantee you, if Paul were living today and he said, if you've been stealing, you need to stop stealing some psychology. Now, now, Pastor Paul, some people are just wired for stealing. And, uh, you know, they've got deep issues and they've got a, you know, present treasure. You've got to understand you're going to steal stuff. Blah, blah. Really? Stop. Stop. I can't stop. Yes, you can. Don't tell me you can't stop. Especially this poor nonsense. I don't know you guys and some of you women too caught up in this poisonous stuff. Stop it. I can't help it. Yes, you can. No, little porn gnomes drag you out of bed in the middle of the night. It's, it's so absurd. What they're saying is, I want to. I get that. Well, Pastor, I, I want to look at naked ladies. Yeah, it's kind of a man thing. It's true. Most guys, if they see a naked lady, they don't go like this. They go like this. You know. How about you stop it? But I want to. I feel. I don't care what you feel. Your feelings do not define you. This is a part of Christianity that's been totally lost. You know, the Bible, Paul wrote, he says, there's coming a day when people, Christians, will have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. I guarantee you we are living in that day. We have the form of godliness. We got the great worship services and the cool moving lights and the funky bands and everybody grooving and the cool pastors talking the Bible and sharing all that. But when it comes to the power of God actually changing your life, well, now, pastor, we can't go there. Yeah, I'm not to condemn people. I want people to feel bad. I happen to be of the opinion, if you do something bad, you should feel bad. Amen. That makes you a human being. Right? You've heard me talk about this, right? You know who doesn't feel bad when they do things? Psychopaths. That's right. Look it up. You people online that are in a state of shock already, listen to me. <laughs> Psychopath. A psychopath is the kind of person you can take a cat, throw it in a microwave, cook it alive, and don't feel a thing. They never feel bad about anything. I don't think Jesus said grace was turning people into psychopaths. You do something bad, you should feel bad. You're not going to die. Nobody says condemned. Oh, I'm doomed. No. But you should stop. I can't stop. Of course you can. That's always, I can't. No matter what it is, describe your poison. Describe your issues. Describe it. And people will come to you and the biggest thing you'll get from them is I can't stop. Really? We've been reading, Paul, how often does he talk about the power of God that changes people's lives? We were talking about this at the end of chapter 3. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp the love of Christ. This power that is at work within us. The power of God. See, but we have a form of Godness, but we deny the power. Well, pastor, men can't look 
quit looking at porn because, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's hard. Well, of course it's hard. Don't tell me Jesus can raise people from the dead, but can't help you with your wiener problem. <laughs> oh, Pastor, we're talking the wiener here. I get healing people. I get saving people. I get raising people from the, oh yeah, but we're talking the wiener. Our guys get contracted to their wiener and they can't do anything about it. What a bunch of nonsense. You say, you're making me feel bad. Then stop. Stop. Don't tell me you can't stop. Nobody forces you to do anything. You choose to do. And by the way, what do these people think? That on judgment day, they get a pass? Because if you can't, literally, you cannot control yourself, then how can God judge you? Then God is unjust. He can't judge somebody who can't control the way he acts. Can't control it. Well, that really messes everything up. Well, then those guys get a pass and the rest of us get smacked. That's insane. Of course you can control yourself. You choose not to or have been convinced by everybody around you that there's nothing you can do and you're addicted and and the power of Christ can't set you free. Really? Is that where we are today? No wonder so many pastors, every, every solution is we'll go to counseling and go see a psychologist and go take these meds. Really? Where's the power of God? Where's the power of God that changes stuff? Otherwise, we just become a Christian country club. We get together at the country club. It's a great place to hang out, meet people, have a nice meal, do a little golfing, but nobody's going to change anybody over there. But we're not a country club. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, or at least we're supposed to have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Kind of hard to grasp it when we keep saying it can't be done. We have a form of God, but we deny the power. No, well, if we can't. Of course we can. So when I'm struggling, okay, I get that. Let us help you. Let us show you how you can overcome these things in your life. Let us show you. Let us get the word of God in you, the power of God that will transform you. If you're stealing, stop it, he says. Instead, do some work, doing something useful with your own hands that they might have something to share with those in need. In other words, instead of ripping off people, how about you get a job, work hard, and then you give people stuff. And you quit stealing from people. Say, Pastor, I don't have, a, I don't have any money. You got a job? No, get a job. Have you looked for a job? No. I'm just praying the Lord will bring me a job. <laughs> Go get a job. Well, I don't like those jobs. I don't like almost any job I've ever had. Because you got to work. You know what I want to do? I want to be so independently wealthy, I sit around and do nothing all day long. That's what I would like. <laughs> the Lord hasn't answered that prayer. You know, so I figure, you know, at some point, you got to move on. You got to get a job. You got to work. So I hate the jobs that are... Well, <laughs> Start somewhere. Show yourself faithful. Start with the little things. Trust God to open up other opportunities for you. Say so you're not being compassionate. I'm not, it's not about compassion. You know what's not compassion? It's telling you it's okay for you to be the way you are and you don't have to change. That is not compassion. That is poison. Absolute poison. It just keeps people stuck in the rut they are for the rest of their lives. And people in this country say, well, that's compassion. What's a compassion? For, how's that a version of Compassion. They're just dependent on, on systems. and other. We need to be self-sufficient. That's what he's teaching here. Take care of yourself. It can be done. Well, that's not love. Really? 
because the Bible's kind of full of love. You know what Paul said? If somebody doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Well, that's not love. No, that's motivation. <laughs> right? We've got systems today where you don't have to do anything and people take care of you and feed you. Well, look, I'm not trying to be a mean, heartless person if you're really in trouble, but all that stuff should be short-term. The whole point of it is to help people that are in trouble so they can become self-sufficient. We have whole political systems today that are based on needing people to be dependent. They look for ways to find more dependence. Craziest thing. Do you know? Do you know? Because, you know, I'm on the verge of geezerhood here, okay? Uh, Pastor Lathan, he's already a geezer. I'm right on his tail. All right, so. (laughs) Medicare. You know about Medicare? You have to sign up for it. If you don't sign up for it and become dependent, they will penalize you for the rest of your life. What the heck is that? Well, the government is saying, I demand you get on it. Really? If they're self-sufficient, why are you going to penalize people? Maybe they don't want to sign up until they're 70. You know how much money that would save all for everybody? But No. They need people on these systems because it keeps the system going. You start getting close to 65, you better sign up, man, or they are going to ding you for the rest of your life. Craziest thing. (laughs) Send all your political responses to Pastor Lathan at Celebration Church. (laughs) Celebrationchurch.tv, he'll answer all those questions for you. Now here's a sticky wicket. Sticky wicket. It's like, put off falsehood. A sticky wicket. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. See, pastor, that's your problem. You let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. First of all, stick it. All right. <laughs> but because there's a, a crude phrase, it's not cursing, number one. Even the phrase bullshit is not cursing. Okay? Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt not refer to the bovine excrement in vain. <laughs> you say, well, it's unwholesome. Says who? Focus on the family? Are these the guys who set the standard for everybody? Really? You know, Christianity gets in such a bubble sometimes they become totally irrelevant to the rest of the world around them. Unwholesome. Look it up in your dictionary. Actually, you can Google it on a dictionary. You know what it means? Something that pushes towards immorality. Referring to one's poop or a cow's poop or any other kind of poop is not in the... No one's going to become immoral, be immoral because of that. His problem is sexual immorality. You know, like, seriously, you know how many Christians... You can't even say the word poop. The only reason I get around this is because I'm in charge. <laughs> if I talk this way, any, I don't talk this way in other churches. They'll never have me back. I'll be blackballed for eternity. <laughs> oh, I used to get blackballed for all kinds of stuff. When I first started this, I remember one pastor, he said, I, I got a call from a pastor that you really offended. I said, really? He said, you're not going to let him come to your church, are you? And I said, why not? He says, he says boobs. <laughs> I refer to Boobs. Oh, 
Never mind, the Old Testament is full of sexual imagery that would be enough to make a person vomit. And it's God talking. He doesn't have a problem with boobs, I guarantee you. All this, you know, phony little nonsense that we live in. and God can't use you. You're not helping people. Really? That's exactly helping people. Because you can speak in a way they understand. And it's just not, I've run into other pastors. They don't have the cojones I have, but they, they, they see it. I was talking to a pastor, big church, five times our size. This is written around 10,000. He asked me, do you have a hard time in marriage counseling? I said, oh, dude. It's so frustrating. He said, I know it's so frustrating. He says, I listen to these people just bicker back and forth. I finally say, it's such bullshit. And then I get their attention. I said, I know. I just wrote a book called Don't Be an Ass. And I got it, marriage counseling people. Because you could say to someone, a man who's an insensitive brute, and say, you know, you really should be more flexible and not so, you know, s- structured in your th- preconceived concepts about life. They'll just stare at you. He don't know what you're talking about. I finally got frustrated and said, you're an ass. Stop being an ass. The guy goes, you know, you're right. Now, these people say, well, that's unbiblical because it's unwholesome. No, no, no. It's your version of unwholesome. It is not sexually immoral. It's just, you know, these people become the, the, the definers of what is holy and what is not holy. I don't remember voting on any of that. Who made these people in charge of stuff? Good grief. <laughs> so we walk around talking in ways nobody understands and super sensitive about everything. Uh, who was I talking about last? Oh, Martin Luther. You know who Martin Luther was? He's the guy who started the Protestant Reformation. If you ever attend a church, any of you listening to me around the world right now, if you happen to attend a church that is not a Catholic church, you think Martin Luther. If you're the kind of person that you finally realize that the only way to be saved is not through your own works, but by putting faith in Jesus Christ, you have been affected by Martin Luther's words. If you're the kind of person who says, you know what, our church, we just believe the Bible. You're quoting Martin Luther. He came in the face of a lot of corruption at the time, particularly at that time, in the Catholic church, and said all these rules and regulations, that's not how you get saved, that's what the Bible says. Well, we made this edict, and the Pope made this edict, and Luther said, you're all crazy. The only thing that matters is what the scripture says. He's the one who did that. All of this is because, and this guy had a serious potty mouth. You should read it. It's hilarious. He was in people's faces all the time. He told them they were dumb asses. He called them dogs and pigs. Before I got here, I read. He had this one guy. He would argue with people. And he writes to this guy. He says, you know, the next time you feel inspired to write a, a, a book on religion, you should listen to a sow fart first so that you can clearly get a vision of what you're talking about. You're looking him up. It is shocking. The S word. I mean, he went through them all. He would get some. I'm not making this up. This is common knowledge. It'll take you three seconds to Google this and read these comments. He was something else. He would get some because he was fighting the religious system of the day. And then these religious guys would come out and they'd release these tracts talking about how terrible Luther was. And he and his followers would use them for toilet paper and send them back to him. 
that's not very nice. <laughs> it was just him. It was the day. I mean, now, you know, several hundred years later, we can't say anything because we've been so puritanized and gotta, ah, we can't refer to anything, never refer to body parts, never, ah. Bible says, let no unwholesome talk. See, to them, anything, anything that's not approved of by some of these organizations is unwholesome talk. That's, so they talk in ways that nobody even understands what they're saying today. And there's a lot of blather and stuff and not getting through to people. And why do I talk plainly to people? What he says here, that it might benefit those who listen. People get it. You talk plainly to people. They understand it. They get it. They were saying, it's not about being crude. I know everybody's, you know, everybody, just the church today, whines and complains about the, the uh, uh, what's the word? <laughs> not the dumbing down, but the crassing down of the English language. They're just saying it's terrible. Because people say stuff like, well, that really sucks. And to them, that's horrible. You know how many churches, if I said that, they would have a fit and never have me back again. They can't handle that word. Even though everybody knows the word. Everybody uses the word. Whenever things suck, they say it really sucks. We're not in church because, you know, we're very holy people. Let no unwholesome communication. (sighs) Don't say things that lead to immorality, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, and it might benefit those who listen. I think the church could use a whole dose of clear talk today. Who is it? Lathan, you guys, you guys know who this guy, I can't remember, he's, he's some guy, he was talking, famous guy. Anyway, he has this talk about missions and he says, at the end of his talk, he says, there are millions of people today suffering without Christ and most of you don't give a shit. And he said, and here's the worst part of it. Most of you are way more upset that I said the word shit than those people are starving to death. Do you know who that is? You know where? Yeah, okay, I can't forget. Some actually a pretty big name. I don't know how he gets away with it. Probably like me. <laughs> he doesn't care. And it's true, right? But boy, everybody remembers that talk. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. To them, the Holy Spirit gets grieved by everything. If you sneeze wrong, the Holy Spirit's grieved. Really? Actually, I used to be taught that, that the Holy Spirit was like a, like a dove, and they use that analogy, and if you go to a dove, you'll freak it out and run away. So the Holy Spirit's here, but as soon as you do anything wrong, he'll, he'll take off. Really? That's crazy. He didn't take off. He stays with us and helps us through all our stuff. Thank God for it. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, who when you were sealed for the day of redemption, you're not going to scare him off like a scared dove. And then he says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling. And now, okay, rage and anger, that's, that's the, he says, uh, in your anger do not sin. Well, you know you're going to, when it starts boiling over into rage, you know, that kind of, that kind of uh, out of control, because now you're sinning. Slander, along with every form of malice. And instead do what? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. This is the way we should live. Without Christ, what do you do? You're full of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander in every form of malice. 
That's what people's lives are like. That's what your life was like when you didn't have Jesus in your heart. Just at everybody. But as believers in Christ, that should no longer be. We need to let the Holy Spirit change us. Get out of all that and be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Why? Because people are going to tick you off. And I've said this many times. If nobody's ticking you off, you're not close to anybody. It's the reality. People will tick you off. I'll tick you off. I probably ticked off a bunch of you tonight. (laughs) What do you do? It's called forgiveness. Get over it. Get past it. You won't die. It'll be fine. Don't need to write down every little transgression, every little thing you disagree with, everything you disapprove of. Be compassionate to people. What does it mean to be compassionate to people? It means someone does something that they don't have to really do it that way. Well, be compassionate. You know what they're going through. You know what they're struggling with. You know, a little, little mercy, a little kindness. So well, they shouldn't do that. I, I know, but let's not attack people. Let's try and help them and encourage them where they're at and move on from there. What are we supposed to do? He says in chapter five, verse one, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as like Christ loved us. Well, that's the point, pastor. Jesus never said nasty things to people. Really? Have you read the Bible? He called them snakes. He called them children of the devil bound for hell. I mean, his disciples would come, you know, you're really ticking these people off. He said, I don't care. Blind guides. Let the blind follow the blind, they're both falling in a ditch. <laughs> they crucified him for a reason, okay? <laughs> it wasn't that he just didn't be the way they wanted him to be. He was on the, on the attack at times. But he loved us. He gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's how we should be towards each other, be willing to sacrifice for somebody else. What does that mean? At some point, you have to actually allow yourself to be taken advantage of. Okay? I like nobody, I get that nobody likes to be taken advantage of. I hate being taken advantage of. But if you do, don't have a fit about it and meltdown. Remember when Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, he was writing about how they were, were taking each other to court. What are you taking each other to court for? Suing, Christians suing other Christians. Because it's costing me money. Paul said, well, when, isn't it better that, why not just get wronged? Why not rather be wronged? Because we don't want to get wronged. Then money, boy, money. Money, money, money. Boy, people go nuts. It's amazing how people act when there's money at stake. And that's when people start throwing their religion out the window. Oh, I'm not going to lose money over this thing. Ah! Really? You should be able to let somebody rip you off and you don't come apart. Say, Pastor, have you ever been ripped off? I have. I hate it when it happens. Part of it's because I'm a moron. But sometimes people just, they just don't rip you off. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's not write down every little transgression. I should never let people take advantage of me. Really? Are you following the example of Jesus? Talk about being taken advantage of. He gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But then he brings down the hammer. And of this, I agree with him 100%. Among you, there should not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity, again, sexually speaking, or of greed. 
because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting. Again, all this in the context of sexuality, which are out of place. Dirty jokes, all that kind of chatter and stuff, that's, that's inappropriate. You shouldn't do that. Okay. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, you know, you'll be in the company of people and someone will say a dirty joke and you'll laugh because it's funny. That's why it's called a joke. You know, if you hear somebody like that at work or something, you shouldn't get all religious. No, don't you dare say that around me. I don't allow inappropriate sexual conduct on me. You know, just smile at the, you know, and just move away, you know. Don't get caught up in it, but don't be a jerk shoving the Bible in people's faces. I, just, I don't understand the shoving Bible, Bible to people who don't believe in the Bible. What's the point? It's like somebody, some guy wrote me yesterday. And uh, uh, I still have it. Oh, my phone's over there. Uh, Dear Pastor Mark, I've been listening to you for years. I love you. And I love what you have to hear. You're the most entertaining religious speaker. I said, I'm uh, in the Middle East and I'm a Muslim. And the only thing that breaks my heart is that you're not a Muslim. And uh, would, you, would you seriously consider becoming a Muslim? And I'm thinking... That's a hell no, I'm doing that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I don't just sit there and shove the Bible in his face. What point is that going to be? Or if he quotes the Koran, it doesn't make anything to me. I, there's no reference. I don't care what it says. You shoving the Bible in people's faces, trying to force them to act one way or the other, isn't helpful. They don't believe what you're saying. I'm still thinking of a good response to that guy, though. I think I'm going to do a trade. I promise that. I'll read any book in the Quran that you, if you suggest if you read the Gospel of Matthew. And if he does that, I'll, I'll do another trade with him. Because I promise you, he starts reading the scriptures, it'll change his life forever. The Gospel is powerful stuff. Very powerful. So I'm going to see if I can get him to do it. <laughs> For all I know, he's listening right now. He listens to everything I do. That probably will not, won't work. Uh, where am I at? Of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, now here's something I, I don't understand. And, you know, I rant about several different kinds of things, but here he's very clear. Immorality and greed are always in the same context. We get the immorality, but we don't get the greed. You got to be careful, man. Don't be in this. <laughs> got to have more and more and show way more and more. It's all mine. Take it easy. All right? That's, that's why I disturb. I mean, some people are more concerned about that than they are the immorality. They don't care about the immorality. But boy, don't you touch my money. Christian parents all over the world, especially in the Western culture, what's the main thing Christian parents want? As soon as you graduate, go to college. Get a career, make more money, so you can have money. Everybody's got to have money, 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 money. If they're fornicating their little brains about it, they don't care. Christians. Christians. I've been in churches. When I got to talking, I've had mothers line up to talk to me. I don't care if my daughter has sex. I just don't want her to get married too young. I want her to go to college. First of all, there's this absurd concept that if you go to college, you can't be married. Which is like, stupid. There's no reason you can go to college, Right? Well, it's distracting. 
Marriage isn't distracting. You know what's distracting? Dating. Have you ever dated? Oh, man. That'll mess with your head. You can't think straight for days at a time. Ah. But these people don't care about morality. You know, let's just not offend the God of money. Money, 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 money. We love you, money. We love you, money. My precious, my precious. <laughs> For this you can be sure. Colin, no immoral or impure, that's not my problem, or greedy person. Such a person is an idolater. They make idols out of things and stuff. They won't have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Now, someone actually just sent me a text, I think, yesterday, someone in the church, and said, Pastor, isn't it wrong if, um, you know, we save up for retirement? because then we're worshiping money. I said, no, no, I don't think that's wrong at all. You know, you not having retirement and becoming a burden to everybody else around you for the rest of your life, that's a problem. That's not being self-sufficient, right? The problem is when you become obsessed by it and they're constantly obsessed and obsessed. And obsessed. Besides, because he said, well, then they won't put their trust in God. I'll tell you what, I don't care how much money you got, you still need to trust God because this economy can go jack crazy overnight and that money won't be worth anything. Anybody remember the big crash? Everybody's retirement, everybody's 401ks. Oh, all this money, I got sliced in half overnight. Boom! There are people right now here still working because that happened to them. You know, you need to put your trust in God. Money can fly away, has wings. All right? Inflation, economy crashing and stuff like that. Be wise, save up, be prepared to take care of yourself. That's all fine. Just don't become obsessed by it. There are people in their 40s and 50s who are obsessed by their money. And I don't understand it. Don't do it. Don't let it. It's good to have money. It's not good when money has you. So, he says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. As you grow in your faith, that's why you're even here tonight, listening to the scriptures, we find out what pleases God. Focus on that. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. This is 2,000 years ago. It's pretty bad. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. A light. This is why it says, wake up, sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So don't have anything to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. But then, you know, you got to put that in context. Paul said, I can't remember where he says it, but if we haven't already hit it, we'll hit it yet as we go through this. He says, I've written to you, don't have anything to do with immoral people. But he says, but I didn't mean immoral people of this world. Because if you hide from immoral people of this world, you got to hide in the basement. He said, you have to leave this world, is what he said. He said, I'm talking about Christians, people who are people of faith, who act this way. Those are the people that you get in their face. You know, people get all freaked out because sinners are acting like sinners. You know, and you know, I got this group advocating this behavior and this group advocating that behavior. Sometimes you can't even mention some of it's so crude and disgusting. Well, it doesn't mean you don't have anything to do with unbelievers because you'd have to leave the world. 
The problem is people who claim to be people of faith acting that way. If you're acting in immoral ways in my church, I will get in your, if I hear about it, I'm going to get in your face. And I'm going to challenge you about it. But we don't get in people's faces out there. And, and I've never understood, I mean, some of these standards, you know, like the whole, you know, selling stuff to gay people, you know, birthday cakes. Not birthday, wedding, wedding cakes. Any kind of cakes. Muffins, I don't care, whatever. Well, I don't think we should have to sell, well, First of all, I agree with you. I don't think the government should tell you you have to sell anything to anybody. That's my personal opinion. The government can stuff it. Amen. But don't be an idiot. <laughs> Somebody wants to buy a cake from them, sell them the cake. Well, they're gay. So? Well, I don't want to support immorality. Really, you're being so inconsistent. You know how many people who are getting married are fornicating their little brains out? If you quit selling cakes to immoral people, you're going to go out of business. They don't ask that question, though, do they? You know, people are having a marriage. The reason they're getting married is because they've been committing adultery with somebody else and stole somebody else's husband or wife. Oh, we don't talk about that. We don't care about that. It's just gay people. That's why we look like idiots. Oh, we got to support the rights. I get it, and I know I don't like the government, period. But this, acting this way and getting all super righteous over people, that it's just absurd. I say, be like the Jews. God bless the Jews. You know, the Jews are pretty much walled off in their... I'm going to talk about really conservative Jews. Anybody who's not a Jew is considered a notch above a cow and a chicken. All right? That's what we are, the Gentiles. They, we do things, we eat food, we do things. that were considered unclean to them. If you haven't been circumcised, you're like... Ugh. But they'll sell you anything you want. <laughs> you want to sell, get some diamonds? They'll sell you the diamonds. They don't care how you live. They care how they live. That's what the Bible's teaching us. We should be concerned about how we live, not going around and shoving our morality in people's faces. Not that we can't be salt in the earth. I get it. But just standing up for right and wrong and saying, you know, they get mad because they want us to say it's okay. No, it's not okay. You know, I just had someone ask the question, you know, I got one of these ask mark things that you see on my Facebook that I'm going to do in the next couple of days. Pastor Mark, this one priest, he wouldn't, Marry this couple because they agreed in, in, you know, gay marriage or whatever. Wasn't that pretty strong? I said, said, no. What what is this? These people who claim to be tolerant are the most intolerant people on earth. Because they want you to agree with them. And if you don't agree with them, we're going to come after you. Good night. What's with these people? Check your medication. You know, people came to this country. The main reason people came to this country in the first place was because of religious persecution. They got tired of the government telling them what they could believe. Telling them what they could believe and what they could say. And they said, you know, I would rather cross the ocean in a bathtub and get away from you psychos. And that's what drove them to this country. That built this country. Now look where we're at. Now they're demanding we think and act in a certain way and approve of things that we don't want to approve of. The very thing that they all fought and died for seems to be going right down the toilet now. And during the whole time, they're screaming they're tolerant and that we're intolerant because we don't agree with whatever. There's all kinds of versions of crazy going on today. How is that tolerant? You know, it's getting bad, especially on college campuses. I heard a thing today on the radio. What was it? They did a survey. How, what a large percent of college kids now believe it's acceptable to use violence on people you don't agree with. 
Why do you think they're acting like crazy people? Burning stuff and writing. They actually believe that's normal. They think uh, freedom of speech should not be allowed in America. You can't say what you believe. You can only say what we accept. And, you know, God help us all. We need to fight this insanity or we lose the country that we have. Now, how we deal with it, that's, that's the big question I get. But man, these people are crazy. Anyway, he says, be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I love this, making the most of every opportunity. I spoke about this uh, some time ago. I was actually going to bring it up with the whole Joseph thing, but I skipped over it, never went back to it. As we've been studying about Joseph and how he had all these dreams and a lot of guys come along and teach about the power of dreams and why we should believe in dreams and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I just think they're off base. Again, I'm not the only guy in the world. Lots of different, with different opinions. But I think people who just follow their dreams get themselves in all kinds of trouble. You know, and it wasn't those kinds of dreams. It was a vision from God that showed him what was going to happen later on. That's how he knew it was God when he got there. When all his brothers went bowing down for him, boom, there comes the dream back. It's not about, you know, people follow their dreams, you know, and, you know, all you got to do is watch shows like, you know, American Idol <laughs> and these people who sing like crap. It's just awful. They're horrid. They're horrid. And when they tell them they stink, they get mad. Mad as a hornet. How dare you tell me I'm, all my friends tell me I'm great. Really? You need some new friends. Because you are bad, man. You're really bad. And they always start out of there saying what? I'm going to follow my dream. How many people follow their so-called dreams and end up nowhere spinning around? No evidence that this is what they should be doing with their life. Sometimes Christians do this. I was talking to this one guy, a friend of mine, he'd been, I don't know what the time phrase, it, maybe it was within three years, was it that? Or five, but in this small part, he had been fired from seven different churches. Nobody wanted him. He was great at BSing himself, so he'd get the job up front. But as soon as they saw how incompetent he was, they got rid of him. When seven churches in three years fire you, I don't think you should be a pastor anymore. And I'm talking to him and saying, hoping that he got a clue. So what are you going to do now? Well, I just know God's called me to pastor and I'm going to... I'm thinking, no, I don't think he called you to pastor. I, I think you suck at this. You're not very good. I'm going to follow my dream. Really? You need to change channels. Don't go around just chasing these dreams or whatever you think they have. What does he say here? Make the most of every what? Opportunity. Follow your opportunities. God is on your side. God will bring you opportunities. The most successful people in the world are the ones who follow their opportunities. He said, how do I know it's God? If it's not God, first of all, you may not get the opportunity or if he doesn't want you to do it, the Holy Spirit will show up and tell you not to do it or you do it and you fail, so what? Go do something else. Everybody's like, oh, why if I do something wrong? What about paranoid people? I always tell people, enjoy the road you're on. It might be a dead end. How will I know? When you get to the end. They get to the end, they just fall apart. Seriously, they do. There's people who do something and they are devastated because they tried something and failed. Don't be afraid to fail. Man, I have a PhD in failure. Advanced degrees, three or four of them at least. 
I've gone to the school of hard knocks. I guarantee you, I am the man I am today, largely because of my failures. I've learned, oh, let's not do that again. Oh, that doesn't work. Let's, you know, it's like, how do you know not to touch the fire? I've experienced it. You know, ah, let's not do that again. Some people keep sticking their hand in the fire. Ah, oh, that hurt. I got to try harder next time. Oh, I got to focus more. Ah, really? Get burned? Move along, little monkey. Move along. Stop getting toes. I got to follow my dream. Really? You're a nitwit. Move on. Make the most of every opportunity. Trust that God will open doors for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. How? Some of you are waiting for voices. Oh, I'm waiting for the Lord to tell me what to do. Waiting for me to tell me. Somebody says, he's going to make the path straight. Follow the path. What are your opportunities? Take the opportunities. Make the most of all your opportunities, which means you can make the least of your opportunities. You think of that? These people were given great opportunities, they didn't do anything with them. Well, I had a chance to do that, but I didn't want to do it. Want to watch TV? You know, you got an opportunity to do something with your life. <laughs> you know, I got an email from somebody, not around here. It's, they live in Iowa. God bless them. Sweet people love these people. But uh, they said, uh, would you please pray with us? We need wisdom. What about? About whether or not to, that my daughter should take this job. So what job? Well, we've been praying for a long time that you would get a better paying job and be able to move close to home. And now someone right next to us has offered her this great job where she can move right next to home. And we need to pray and see if it's God's will. I said, you nimrods, just take the job. Where are some people? Make the most of every opportunity. God's like, it's like someone who's out in the ocean. I was gonna say the bay, but it's not that big. Unless you're like me, you can't swim. <laughs> the bay would work. But, but you're out in the water and you're bobbing along and you're praying, oh God, send someone to help me. God, send someone to help me. And a boat pulls up to you and says, let me help you. No, no, I need to pray if this is God's will. <laughs> I don't feel the of the spirit. Move along, move along. Oh, Lord, someone help me to help me. My goodness. We've become so heavenly minded we're no earthly good. You got to have revelations and dreams and visions about everything. How about you just take the most of every opportunity that God opens doors for you? Do your best. Whatever shot you got. You got a shot at doing better? Take it. Well, how do I know it's God? Trust God. That's probably why you got the job to do better. Well, if I take it and I hate it, well, then find another one. Don't freak out. Life isn't so limited. You can handle some failures. It'll be good. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't ignore your opportunities. Thank God for them. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. They're also very limited. Life is short. Don't sit around just burning time, not doing anything, not accomplishing anything, not becoming anything because you're too afraid to take any risks at all. Now, I get it. You don't want to do stupid things, okay? I mean, if someone comes up to you and says, you know, you'd be great on the trampoline. <laughs> or, you know, the trapeze. You'd be a fabulous trapeze artist. I'll pay you $100 a day to come to... Well, you're probably going to kill yourself, you know? I mean, there's some things. You've know, you got to balance the risks involved here. Don't do stupid things, but, you know, 
Here's an opportunity. Buy this business. Sell your home. Take all your money. Put it in. Pastor said, take every opportunity. No! No, not stupid. And if you don't know the difference between opportunity and stupid opportunity, give us a call. Talk to some friends. Get some advice. That's all cool. But look for opportunities. Be smart about the opportunities and make something of your life. Careful how you live. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I can talk for 15 minutes on that, but we'll have to do it next week because we're out of time. We'll come back. We'll pick it up there next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your kindness. Lord, help us to be real. Help us to be down to earth. Let us not be a f- think that everybody's a little snowflake that's going to melt and fall apart every second around us. And Help us not as Christians be so politically correct. We've got to filter out every little thing and word and action we have. Just help us to be real. Help us to be kind. Help us to be loving. Help us to make the most of every opportunity. Be careful how we live. Help us to stay away from things that are immoral that will lead to destruction in our lives. Help us to stay away from excuses saying we can't change when in fact we can because your power can change us. And help us be the kind of people that other people will look and say, man, I want to be like you. And it'll give us the opportunity to share with them the grace that you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, next week.